Hi, this is Adam from Chef Life Radio. I'd like to introduce you to a friend of mine who's doing some great work. Have you done all the hard work of writing a book, but you can't get it in enough readers' hands? If so, check out my podcast, The Reluctant Book Marketer, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Check out his podcast, won't you? The links are in the show notes. Hi, this is Adam, host of Chef Life Radio. Before we get to the show, I wanted to share some important information with you. According to the Burnt Chef Project, 84% of professionals in the culinary field report that they have suffered some type of emotional struggle during their career. 46% said they didn't feel comfortable speaking to their colleagues, employers, or family about it. If you're currently dealing with some type of mental or emotional challenge, don't suffer in silence one minute longer. Use this free service 24-7 in the U.S. and Canada by texting the word HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741. Or in the UK, text the word Burnt Chef, B-U-R-N-T-C-H-E-F, to 85258. And a volunteer will call you back within five minutes with a list of resources that you can use to get help. It's okay to not be okay. <laughs> hey, Chef. How effectively are you handling the stress of your new working reality? To say that those of us in the craft are experiencing massive change right now would be an understatement. Now, don't kick my ass for being Captain Obvious for a minute, but I think that we can all agree that it doesn't matter whether you're fully employed right now, waiting for a break in the action to rejoin the team, or are engaged in reimagining what you want in your life moving forward, we're all stressed in a way that feels almost overwhelming. Whether you're stressing about how you'll cover the line today, or will your vendor show up at all, or how much education you need for that new position, whether you'll be able to afford to keep a roof over your head and food in the fridge this month, or how you're going to make it through the shift with the resources you have, the communal stress is impacting us in ways we are only beginning to understand. Yeah, it's a product of our mind, but our mind can't tell the difference between something that's actually happening right now or something imagined that may or may not happen. It's then that the brain starts to react in very old ways, producing a powerful cocktail of neurotransmitters, hormones, and proteins meant to stimulate the body. It selectively turns on or turns off genes in order to deal with what it perceives as a crisis. And then guess what? We really are fucked. Mentally, emotionally, and chemically. Now, our bodies can handle it for a few minutes, maybe an hour, but what happens if it goes on much longer than that? Don't think this is true? If you're driving right now, ignore this exercise, please. But if you're walking or sitting, pause for a moment and close your eyes. Imagine that you're setting up your station and everything is almost set. Everything's going along smooth and groovy. Plenty of mise en place, all in its place. And then you notice that you're missing something. Fuck, you think to yourself. You pivot off your station Head down the line, when over your shoulder you hear. What happened to your heart rate just then? Did your face flush a little, maybe get a little burn around the cheeks or ears as you realize that you just got caught with your apron down? How would you feel if that burn lasted the full shift? A week, maybe months? What if it got under your skin to the point where you felt like it was a never-ending part of you? What would you do to mitigate the pain? Who could you ask? Could you even bring yourself to tell someone that you were in over your head? 
During the COVID lockdown, I managed a team of about 100 dining associates, and I spent most of that time getting together in small groups with the crew about what was going on, how we could handle it, the challenges that we were going through, how to interact with each other. It was a lot to handle, and I thought I was doing good. But what I didn't account for was the emotional toll it was taking on me. It wasn't until I was almost broken that I realized that I needed to get out of the situation, if only for several days, so I could get my head and my heart together so I could be more present for my team. I found out the hard way that it was impossible to give from an empty cup. It's tough because we also, we don't know how to ask for help either. So like when we are lonely and we're in those moments, like, you know, I even struggle with that. I'm like, hey, I've been working a lot. I reached out to a couple of people I knew and being like, all I'm doing is working. And I just needed to message you, like, can you help me break the beat? Because I'm just filling this void, you know, with work and or something. And but sometimes if we don't make that step and we just cycle the thoughts and the negativity and like the uncertainty that causes so much stress, you know, it's hard to be like, who can I reach out to? That's Chef Maria Campbell of One Degree Leadership Coaching and the founder of Philadelphia's Cooks Who Care. In this episode, we're going to speak to her about how she got through the COVID lockdown emotionally and the steps she took organizationally to pivot out to those in need in her community. Stay tuned after the break to find out how you can refill your cup consistently so that the stress of reopening, reorganizing, or reimagining your operation won't burn you or your team out. This is Chef Life Radio, assisting culinary professionals to become their best selves personally and professionally. I'm your host, Adam Lamb, and over my 30-year career as a chef and hospitality professional, I've had some amazing experiences. I have also made some monumental mistakes. But if my mess is my message, then know that, no matter where you find yourself right now, you too can become the best version of yourself, regardless of the story you tell. In each episode, you'll hear stories from chefs living this reality, enjoying their careers, and lives like never before. I'll also be talking to leaders in the fields of transformational leadership, community building, emotional and operational intelligence, equitable relationships, health and mental wellness, to pass along to you the skills, tips, and tricks that will support you in your quest of becoming the best that you can be. We Chef. chef. Now, back to the conversation. And Chef. Maria Campbell joins us on the show. How you doing, sister? Long time no see. I'm good. I'm so good. So good to see you and hear you. It's great to see you too. And uh, a very auspicious since we're doing this at Mental Health Awareness Month, right? 100%. And so tell me what's been going on. How was your COVID? Oh my God, COVID sucked. And uh, <laughs> it was terrible. Uh, but just like everybody else, anxious, worried, terrified. Uh, I mean, geez, the whole gamut of emotions. Uh, but definitely a time for reflection. And it was like a roller coaster of emotions. Chef Maria Campbell worked for 15 years alongside her husband. By that time, she had seen enough of divorce, opioid use, drinking norms, suicide and illicit affairs to know that something had to be done. The life, as she saw it, was unsustainable. Quote, why would others want to join us? Why does it have to be this way? Inspired by the question, Maria set out to make a difference in her community of Philadelphia with nothing more than a desire to see things change. 
She and her husband started a grassroots organization called Cooks Who Care, dedicated to creating a support structure and safety net for people in the industry, doing everything from food drives to wellness events, all meant to shift the current reality of what it means to live a life in the grind. You and your husband are both very, very busy. You have a, an executive and business coaching business, correct? Yep. Yeah. And uh, I run it with Ed Doherty, who, I mean, geez, we had a lot of hospitality clients. So at first, you know, we were hanging on, just trying to keep everything together. How can we help? How can we support you? And not really seeing an end in sight. We're like, oh, this will just be a couple months. You know, we can get through this to being like, wow, there is no end in sight. I don't know when this is going to end to we lost probably about two thirds of our clients uh, just because of, of the hospitality space. And we weren't surprised you know, to say the least. But the need was so great in our area for support because we, we just didn't want to see all these businesses fail during this tumultuous time. And so was that when you found yourself kind of like going into high gear with cooks who care? Oh, a hundred percent. It, you know, we were like, oh, we're going to be a membership group and we're going to do this pre-COVID. And then when COVID hit, it's like, no one can meet. We can't see anyone. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get COVID. Uh, and I was super anxious about that too. But the Cooks Who Care decided to be, what can we do? Let's try to pull as many resources as possible. I'll tell you the first couple weeks in, it exhausted me. I had to figure out like, okay, I can't watch the news. I need to decompress a little bit. And we're only a couple people, myself, Scott, my husband, who's a co-founder. I had uh, one team writer and some volunteers that were like, let me help. I want to help. I'm not working right now. How can I support you? There were groups that were releasing information daily. And I'm like, we're not that group. <laughs> we can't do that. So, right. but we can start a Google Doc and we can pull together pieces that people can add themselves. And if we're a conduit, let's do that. That's kind of like a resource pipeline. Yes. Yeah. I remember that you had reached out to me during that time as well. And I, I spent the last two years at a retirement community. So you can imagine that scene when COVID hit and our last day of operation Regular operation was March 16th and we had to pivot on a dime and go to like complete lockdown. And yeah. so not only do you have your crew that's freaking out, but then you've got 600 other residents who, you know, a couple months later, they're like crawling the walls because they've been locked in these rooms and can't go out. So it was uh, it was quite a time for sure. I just I couldn't imagine even that like we were locked down in our house, but I had people and, you know, I have a pet, you know, and like, I just thought, gosh, that's so isolating. And to be older, I just have empathy. Yeah. I didn't realize how impactful the, the loneliness is, especially for folks who have memory care issues, you know, folks with Alzheimer's, they rapidly decline in the space of like no stimulation. So it was pretty intense, but I, I just want to make sure you and your family made it through fine. You guys yeah. didn't get sick or anything? Yeah, we were very fortunate. And we just got our second vaccine. So <laughs> ooh, like a lot nice. of anxiety just shed just from that. Did you have any doubt about taking the vaccine? 
nah, I'm like, shoot it up. Because I was like, but I, I want peace of mind, you know, fortunately, as, as I know some of my friends, like, I don't want to have more children. I don't have other concerns that could, you know, put like, oh, I'm not so sure. I'm like, how can I sign up? Like, please, like, let's right. do this right You now. want to protect what you have, right? That's right. And so business fell away almost to nothing. Now you're basically in a ministering to a whole population of folks in Philly who lost their jobs or maybe they're working marginally and everything dries up. And I know that the government came through pretty quickly and, you know, made sure that people had money in their hands. But I think for a lot of us in this industry, it's like, you know, we enjoy doing like being in action. And when there's no action to be found, you know, I can only speak for myself, but you know, those are usually the toughest times, right? When you're dancing with the devil in the play of moonlight because there's nothing else going on, right? Exactly. It's tough because we also, we don't know how to ask for help either. So like when we are lonely and we're in those moments, like, you know, I even struggle with that. I'm like, Hey, I've been working a lot. I reached out to a couple of people I knew and being like, all I'm doing is working. And I just needed to message you. Like, can you help me break the beat? Because I, I'm just filling this void, you know, with work and or something. And but sometimes if we don't make that step and we just cycle the thoughts and the negativity and like the uncertainty that causes so much stress, you know, it, it's hard to be like, who can I reach out to? You know, I really got to give it to professionals who stuck it out through so much negativity and pressure. You know, even now there are guys standing on lines, you know, being overwhelmed with customers because the perception of the general public is, is that the economy is open, everything should work. And so I think you're the right person to ask, like, how do we convince folks that we're trustworthy again? Mm -hmm. This last year, I thought, gosh, we need to rally everyone together. You are a part of it. And the singular thing I finally figured out, it literally took me three months after listening to everybody for a couple of months, was transparency. So I was inspired by the fact that social media, right? Hate it, love it, whatever anybody thinks about it, it has its use and it does have power. And what some people were doing was if I was pissed off at my location and I was mad about everything that was going on, and hey, I'm not saying everybody's doing it right, and probably the people who are getting called out, it was justified, right? But what was happening was they would make a page that negatively talked about that facility and they threw arrows and hatchets and shot at it. I mean, it was like, take any weapon you can, That's awesome. throw it at this target and we're putting it up there. We're making a page on, on Instagram and you're going down, right? Now, the, the thing is, when I saw that, I said, why does that work? I feel that if people are really upset about something, I I think it's got to be valid. And then if there's that many people saying the same thing, like you right. wouldn't go that far out of your way, honestly. Like, yeah, you can hate on people and say a comment, but when you like quote a story that's like, you know, heartbreaking when I hear, when I was reading some of these statements, I'm like, you wouldn't. I don't even think you can make that story up. I couldn't make that story up on a piece of paper. I couldn't. So, but the thing that made that successful as far as, yeah, that's negative. I'm thinking, how can we use this positively? 
How can we use social media and do this and positively enforce this? And it was transparency. So what we're going to do is we're going to share our platform and we're going to let people submit three things they're going to be working on, or maybe they already do. That's positive. And they work hard because what annoyed me about all of these negative spins and all this stuff is like, what about the positive ones? There's plenty of places doing awesome things and busting their ass to like make their place amazing. And so guess what we're doing? We're, we're lumping everyone in to go, well, those bad apples are mixed in with the good apples. Now we're all bad apples because the industry is terrible. That's, uh, we're not having another voice. So, what we're going to do is we're going to let people submit three things. They can pick any of the nine problems. What Chef Maria is speaking about is a campaign that her company has produced called The New Kitchen Culture, Cooks Who Care Promise Campaign. And in it, they discuss nine problem patterns and how to address them. Those problems are, one, create a safe, harassment-free workplace. Number two, work-life harmony. Number three, seek support surrounding finances. Number four, educate consumers. Number five, focus on mental wellness. Number six, give access to health care. Number seven, provide a fair wage. Number eight, develop wellness programs. And number nine, inclusion, Black Lives Matter. They not only state the problem, but they also state some solutions. We'll have a link to it in the show notes share it with us. It's up on our website right now, cookswhocare.org. They could submit and say, I care about diversity. I have been paying a fair wage since before the pandemic. I, I promise and I commit that I'm already doing these things or I already offer health insurance and we want to know who they are and go, tell us, we'll share it. So I just want to share from from your webpage, you know, you're inviting everybody to take action in three specific ways. And number one is to be open, share your plans, your decision-making process, and your willingness to embrace new ideas. That doesn't necessarily mean you let the inmates run the asylum. The stakeholders still get to make the decision, but you get to be transparent about what's actually going on, correct? Guess what? Because if you're not doing it right, somebody on social media is going to tell you you're not doing it right. <laughs> so I said, I don't want to be the police. You know, like you could tell me what it is you're doing, but I do want to offer an opportunity for positivity to have its place in the internet. Especially in our culture, for sure. Number two is lead from where you are, create a starting point for positive growth. And this really speaks to me because, you know, I don't think it matters a whit what it says on your jacket. You know, true leaders, you know, are in there doing it every day and nobody needs to tell them that they're a leader. And certainly, you know, it's all energetic. So, I mean, somebody's gravitating in the room because they're the ones that you pull to and that's the person that you want to be next to. So leading where you're at, doesn't necessarily mean that you have to wear a toque. It could be doing anything that you're doing, right? Exactly. And it's for us, it's not about finger pointing. It's about uplifting, right? It's going, if, you, if you care about it too and you want to make a commitment to doing it in a new way, even if it wasn't a way you did, that's what we want, right? Or nothing's going to change. You know, I, I think it's important. And lastly, it's do the right thing by sharing your actions. You're encouraging others to do the same. Like what? Like what and where are we sharing? 
So you're going to share from the nine problems that we've identified that are across the board, the industry, whether you're taking care of wellness and well-being, which is what this is about today. You're committing towards it. And I've met lots of folks and I find it interesting that I hear nothing about these folks like on any platform. I'm like, oh, so we just met today. That's great. No one knows about you. <laughs> like this is amazing what you're doing and you're proactively doing it. Yeah, we've always thought about this as like a corporate company culture. And because we have that influence, we've always done this. And we don't do brunch because everyone hates it or, you know, and our team gets burned out if we just keep maxing them out. And it doesn't matter to me about my Sunday, you know, and I'm like, wow, um, I, I've always heard great things about you and people say great things, but how can we help amplify that is what what I wanted to be able to do. And so are we using them as test cases? I mean, are we calling them out for doing well? Yeah. And we're saying, hey, let's lead by example. You're a good example. Great. Uh, River Twice is a good example. And wherever, it's going to be all over the world. I've I've talked to the World Travel Association. Like we need new leading by example. We need, we need to pull from inspiration from places we didn't even knew existed. I want to be inspired by you and your workplace. And I want to be inspired by someone in Spain. And I want to go, Oh, I don't want the media to tell me who who I should be praising. I want to find out for myself. And uh, it's funny you say that because in my experience, those who are doing the right thing where they're at are usually doing it pretty humbly. Yes, and they're not and they're not making a big thing about it. And you know, nobody's coming and interviewing them. I mean, there are a couple of people who get to break through, but generally speaking, there's so many people out there just, you know doing the right thing because that's the way they think it should be done. And, exactly. you know, I say huzzah and, and good on all of you because all of us have had the experience of having a vision and an idea of like what it could be and then having that crushed beneath the boot. That's right. <laughs> You're so right. Uh, I'm so happy that you decided to, or that you agreed to be on the show again, even though it's been many years and I'm so excited to revitalize this particular show, because I think it's a good time to start talking about, you know, chefs and, and culinarians who have been out of work, you know, for the last year. Maybe it's a great time to reassess. I firmly believe that all of us have skill sets that, you know, while they're applicable to what we're doing, they also have value in the, in the, in the wider marketplace. So if you're really having a hard time and you don't want to go in there and do that to your body or to your mental state, don't. Winston Churchill once said, a change is almost as good as rest. And according to the Burn Chef Project, of those professionals who left the industry in the last 16 months, 31% plan on returning within the next six months. So sometimes the antidote for burnout is dropping the clutch, changing gears, and doing something different for a while. I've taken three leave of absences in my career, and each time when I came back to the industry, I was more focused, re-energized, and really, really passionate about what I was doing. There's a blog post by Compete Magazine uh, that talks about transferring your restaurant skills outside of the industry. And at the bottom of the article, they even make a point of saying that they pride themselves on hiring industry veterans. The reason being is that we're already schooled on working well under pressure, conflict resolution, we're team players, we're able to multitask, we have strong customer service skills, great ability to communicate with others. I was once offered an opportunity to work in the online education space for my project management skills. And in the end, 
product is a product is a product. It's how we assemble all the pieces together on a daily basis and aggregate our assets and leverage it out to a plate of chicken or an online program. All the same attributes apply. So consider what you do on a given day. You probably have a lot of other skills that you're not even absolutely clear about that are marketable to other industries. The new kitchen culture is what we're saying. Like we can reset to where we can be proud that this is us, right? I I remember when you came up here in Philadelphia and we were doing a break on through event at a restaurant and you were one of our featured speakers and you stepped up and just grabbed everyone's attention. It was like... I watched all the men in the room, like, raise their heads, like, who is talking? Like, with complete, like, whoa, I need to listen to this. And you you have such a humble way of sharing your, first your story. You put it out there. It doesn't matter how often, how little. You put yourself out there. And I love that about you and how you engage in your own unique way. I'm so happy you're starting this up again. Thank you. Thank you so very much. You know, I don't feel very old. You know, there are mornings when I wake up when I feel, you know, probably my age. But generally speaking, when I tell people how old I am, they're like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) (laughs) But but I got to say that I am starting to embrace this aspect of elderhood. You know, elderhood in community. There's a a guy in Canada who uh, has written a book, uh, several books, and he he says he was in the death trade. So he was in hospice for a long time. And so he's got this uh, idea about, you know, it's wonderful to have to aggregate resources for elders behind a gate because they deserve that type of care in their elder years. But there's but that we're missing something because they're not necessarily out in the community engaged with, you know, everyone else. And. Uh, and I want to say that um, one of the beautiful things I noticed about you is that uh, neither of our ages mattered. You know, it was a, it was a rousing conversation from the start. So as I start to build this podcast back up, I've joined a bunch of chef groups again. Yes. And I was like hit like somebody slapped me in the side of a face with a wet fish because probably for the last 10, 12, 14 days scrolling through the feed, there's at least one picture of, you know, a chef doing his thing and the and the caption underneath says, uh, we lost another one too early. Can I get a herd or a wee chef? Yep. And so this is still happening. Yep. So in some way, <laughs> I'm not saying I failed because I'm not going to carry it. But uh, yeah, we got to get much better at this. So, So how do we? Yeah, I think there are some really great organizations. I know that we're referring to kind of like either whether it's the crisis line or I've got your back, which I love makes the like the lineup uh, conversation to be like, how are you doing? Really? Let's take a temperature. And you can say <laughs> medium, rare, I'm crispy, you know, whatever it is. Like helping people have a dialogue about difficult conversations. I I think like we have a lot to learn with that. I know that um, Not 9 to 5 in Canada is doing a lot of work right now and just got a huge grant to record the impact. And it does include the U.S. of like, how are we doing and I, I've really urged people to go, you know what? I've heard so many stories. We have to start t- 
telling people. We have to to show that, like, record this. We have to have this conversation. We have to have people fill out that survey. We have to have people speak up, and and then to to make a difference because you know and hang hang the new uh, flyer that's not the OSHA and like what I have to be tipped, you know, today or whatever the minimum wage, you know, stuff that you gotta like hang up. Like it should <laughs> right, that be whole like wall. Yeah, it should be like, you know, here's how you prevent a suicide. You know, and like how do we notice our team members aren't doing well and are we building a culture that allows the freedom for us to do that? To have in our lineup to be like how you doing? Your personal stuff actually belongs here, you know, because you're you're here all the time and you can't check it at the door. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like the biggest lie we ever told ourselves is like we leave our personal lives at the door and it doesn't affect us at work. And that's just like that's not that's not true. And so during covid, it was like, you know, for those who who stood tall and frosty and were in service to any other group doesn't have to necessarily be seniors, but, you know, the garbage men, the bus drivers, people who worked in the gas stations, you know, all these people suffered because I think we're all walking around with some form of PTSD. You know, I, I, you know, I broke somewhere around February and, uh, and then I just had to leave and go down to Florida for a week and do a meditation retreat because, you know, not only was I being present for myself, but I wasn't being present for my managers. And it's like, and then when I came back, I'm like, okay, I get, I wasn't here with you, but I'm back and I'm all in. And then I just had to sit in the fire and just listen to him bitch and moan and complain. And, uh, you know, because it was all coming from pain, you know, they felt like they had been abandoned and I couldn't negate that by saying that their feelings didn't matter. And so it was a weird space for me to be in, but I felt really secure in that, you know, just let it roll off, man. Just let it roll off. It's got nothing to do with you. Got nothing to do with you. So, so having the courage to have those difficult conversations means that you have to take yourself out of it and be present to someone else. Yeah. It's so important that you recognized that, right? Because I think that the biggest key are two things. One is awareness. If, if we lack awareness, we can't do anything. You know, we, we can't ask for help. We can't call the crisis line. If we can't notice ourselves when we're not doing well, it's going to be hard, right? And the other piece is what you did. You gave yourself permission to do that. I think we don't, I just wrote an article about this when somebody asked me like, oh, hey, like, can you give like top five mental breaks that people could take? Best Served uh, podcast asked me to. Awesome. I, I thought, okay. So I wrote down five things, but then I thought, you know, if I don't give myself permission, I'm not going to do any of these. I won't do any of it. I'll just be like, I don't deserve, or I'm too busy, or I can't, you know, I could fill all the words in. Oh, yes, ma'am. But I thought, you know, I need to say that first. And then if you just make a small goal, you know, if I took five, take five, you don't take, I don't take breaks. Okay, well, good for you. Um, I'm saying if you gave your permission to take five, you know, everybody needs that. You know, it's actually, it's good for you. It's like eating an orange or an apple and you're just like, I got to re- refocus my energy. And even if it's doing nothing, you know, just looking up at the sky or just getting the air on you, you know, like do that. 
And so do you think that love has any part in our new kitchen culture? 100%. <laughs> I love that question. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Right. And I think that people who are open like yourself and it takes a certain kind of composure to be like, I'm putting myself out there and I'm going to hear your feedback, whether I like, I like it or not. It might not be something I want to hear, but if we're okay with hearing people's perspectives and we're okay to hear that like, hey, they're not having a great day and it's not your fault. It's like, we don't have to take the ownership of it. It could just be like, that sucks, yep. right? Yeah, um, just being empathetic, that's it. Yeah, and and sitting alongside each other, right? Like we've gone through so many processes of grief that I feel we can be compassionate for people and not have to go through the same exact experience. We don't have to go through the same life experiences in order to connect. We just have to be able to sit alongside each other and go, I see you. Well, that is so powerful because it's so typically <laughs> in work environments, people are sitting across from one another, right? Which can sometimes be confrontational. And one of the tricks I learned from a relationship coach that my wife and I were working with pre-COVID was, you know, when there's stuff to talk about, you sit side by side. And I always wondered why when we were driving that kind of like, like you're in motion, moving forward, sitting side by side, and all of a sudden there's nothing we can't talk about. And so that side by side thing I think is really powerful because you can feel like I can feel you sitting next to me in a way that's supportive. That's that's beautiful. I I always get the Scott always says to me everywhere we go some I'll talk to a random stranger and all of a sudden they're sharing their personal stuff with me and I he's like do you know them I'm like no I just met them and I I have no idea but I'm open enough to a make eye contact with people which some people don't do but there's something about just like being open like i firmly believe that i'm supposed to be in any place any given place that i'm supposed to and i don't know what's going to happen and then when something does i'm i just let it be and i'm like okay hey nice to meet you oh you your your sister just passed away i mean i don't even know how these people anybody tells me the most random thing and then i take it for a second like i think there's there's power in that like just being alongside someone in their sadness or their whatever you can you can just be with somebody like that's i think that's all anybody really needs sometimes it's like they don't need advice they don't want to know how to change their problem they just they just want to be heard on the cooks who care website towards the bottom of the page there's a really powerful paragraph that states we introduce new healthy habits to the food and beverage industry, which comprise of employees and independent employers in four categories, food, fitness, finance, and stress relief. For them, it all comes down to one word, health or the lack of it. Speaking to Chef Maria, I come away hopeful for our craft and fraternity because of professionals like her and her team of volunteers doing what they can, where they can, as often as they can, for no other better reason than they see the need. I don't know about you, but my takeaways from the conversation are, number one, it's okay to not be okay. Number two, be transparent, always. Number three, give yourself permission to be X, mad, sad, whatever. It's when we cover the shit up that the problems start. 
Number four, take as long as you need in order to refocus your energy. Number five, be in service to someone else. And number six, finally, let the love in. You can find out more about Chef Maria Campbell at facebook.com forward slash cooks who care or cooks who care inspire.com. Please check out the show notes. We've got plenty of links to her website, some free PDFs to download. That's our show. Thanks for listening. Time for a shameless plug. If you're looking for an answer to the questions you're asking, sign up for our monthly newsletter at chefliferadio.com forward slash sign up or click on the link in the podcast player and get a free ebook, three ideas for less chef stress as our way of saying thanks for stepping into the circle. This episode is made possible by listeners like you by sharing the show and spreading the news. Contributors include the Chef Life Radio member crew like Kristen Costa, Michael Farber, Alyssa Lamb, and David Sparacino. To learn more about becoming part of the crew and having your voice matter, go to chefliferadiocrew.com and step in, cousin. Here at Chef Life Radio, we believe that working in a kitchen should be demanding. It just shouldn't have to be demeaning. It should be hard. It just doesn't have to be harsh. We believe that it's possible to have more solidarity and less suck-it-up sunshine, more compassion, less cutthroat island. We believe in more partnership and less put-up-or-shut-up, more family, and less Fuck you. Stand tall and frosty, brothers and sisters, but consider for a moment, for all the blood, sweat, and effort you put into what you do at the end of the day, it's just some stuff on a plate. None of it really matters, doesn't define you as a person or make you any more special or less than anyone else. It's just a dance that we're engaged in, so we might as well laugh and enjoy every bit of it. Or didn't you know that the purpose of your life should be to enjoy it? Like it, happy, I fuck it. Love it. I am humble. Goddamn glory box that I don't live on now. <laughs> Reach out to the show at facebook.com forward slash Chef Life Radio, Twitter at Chef Life Radio, Instagram at Chef Life Radio. Visit the website at chefliferadio.com. Subscribe to the podcast at any of the major podcasts directories. Please take a moment and give us a thumbs up and write a review. It really does help spread the news. Thanks for listening. Until the next episode. Be well and do good. This episode was produced by me, Adam Lamb, edited and co-produced by Thomas Stephenson for Foodworks Media. It was recorded in a basement bunker studio in Bardo, North Carolina. <laughs>